This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 303 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, Learning, Loping, and Tequila. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our wonderful sponsors this week are Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com and you, our auditors. And we're going to hear from one of you today. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Glenda Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. You may also be listening to my cat, Gino, who's sitting on my lap with his face buried in Is that the purring I heard? Yeah, did you really hear <laughs> I it? heard some purring, he, yes. He is, he's a bugger. He will not stay away from the microphone when I'm on Stable Scoop. He's a ham is what he is. He, I have a big red fuzzy microphone. Do I have to pay him too? Now? It's covered in orange cat hair. <laughs> so he's, if you hear some strange sounds, that would he's be not Gino. Part I, of a union, is he? I don't, I'm not interested. He is. Well, you know what happens is he is part of a union because somebody somewhere along the way dropped off a bunch of cats because now I have all kinds of cats around my property, the farm. So my desk is right up. There's a window to the outdoors and and Gino comes right up to the window when he wants to come in and he like licks it. Or puts his paws on it, like, let me in, let me in. And he'll keep throwing himself against the window until you let him in. And then you let him in, and he comes right for the microphone. (laughs) That's annoying at 2 in the morning, isn't it? Uh, No, he only does it when I'm on scoop. Oh, oh, (laughs) he likes me. See, that's what it is. So, dear listeners, you're just going to have to... Put up with the purring. You're going to have to put up with the purring for a little while. But we have some other things besides purring on today's show. We got a lot of guests on today's show. We have uh, coming up, we have our first auditor review. Remember, we talked about our quote-unquote membership or auditor program, whereas Mm -hmm. for as little as a dollar a month, you can become an auditor. Well, those people get to review products and books for us. And Rita Hansen is joining us, and she did the first book review for us. And we're going to hear from her to find out what book she reviewed, and then... Uh, we have Lauren Zapeda coming up, and she is in a competition that's quite unique, and it's a makeover competition, but it's a little different than the others out there. We're also going to talk to her a little bit about treats and clicker training. And then coming up later on in the show, I have a, I have a special, uh, and I think Helena thought I was a little wacky with this one, but I have a special Tack and Habit segment that we're going to talk to about a non-horse type product, uh, but but you're going to love the accent of the person we're talking to. And that's all coming up on today's show. So let's get started. First out of the gate is our auditor, Rita Hansen of Glenrock, Pennsylvania. She is one of the HRN official auditors, and she did a review of a book called The Littlest Racehorse by Alan Jewell. So let's take a listen to what she has to say about this book. Well, hi, Rita. You're our first auditor on the show doing a review of a book and as part of our new auditor program. 
So thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, uh, I'm always up for a good book. So this was great to get a suggestion. Well, you reviewed a book called The Littlest Racehorse by Alan Jewell. So tell us about The Littlest Racehorse. Well, it's, um, I guess to start out by saying that it's not all horse book, you know, despite the, the cover and the title of the book, which I love. I mean, it's a very engaging looking book and you want to pick it up. It's, you, you don't actually meet the racehorse till about halfway through the book. So it's a lot more than just a horse book. As a horse person, I really enjoyed it. The horse aspects of the book are are very true. You know, the the lingo is good, and you know, the worst thing is to read a horse book and it's you find errors. That yeah, they don't you, know what a halter know. and a bridle are, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But the book itself is uh, first of all, it's very long. Um, it's over 500 pages, Whoa. but it isn't, yeah, it is. It's really, <laughs> but it's engaging all the way through. There's a lot of dialogue. Um, there's not a lot of long, boring prose. And like I said, despite the, the cover and the name, it's, there's a lot more to it than just a simple horse story. Can you just give us a, like in, like in a paragraph, what the book is about? It's hard to describe without giving the story away, but what I'll say is that it's, um, it's set in late October 1962 and during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So it begins it begins right at the Cuban Missile Crisis and and I was 2 years old at that time. So I found it pretty interesting because it really brought that period of time, uh, you know, period of time to life for me. It's part historical. No, I mean I would think of it as a almost as a um, historical novel because it's true to history. The horse is not the pivotal character in this book, or it's not not the main character. It is an important character, um, and it has a bearing on the story, but it's not the focus of the book, like Seabiscuit. You know, it's okay, not so about it, the horse. Is it based on a true story or not? No, I, I, no, I believe it's complete fictional, right. Gosh, I, I don't want to give away the storyline because, okay, right. <laughs> because right from the beginning, it's a surprise. But it has to, to it's around a family. It's, a, it's built around two, two children. And what happens to them during this period of time, the horse is part of, a, um, you know, helping them overcome something that happens to them. From the standpoint of being a horse story, I really liked it because I grew up doing hunters during that time. Okay. So there were a lot of references that I really enjoyed. You know, they talk about custom-made Daner boots. You know, <laughs> when you grew up in hunters during that time, everybody had custom-made Daner boots. Right. So they got, um, the, they got the historical details right. right. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. Uh, no, okay, so now, if you, we rate everything by flakes in a bale, if we have six flakes in a bale, what's it get? Oh, I would give it five and a half. Oh, wow. I would right. give it five and a half. Yeah, That's no, really I really enjoyed enjoyed the book. Um, it's a, a feel-good book at the end of the story. Um, there's no sex, no violence, no bad language. If you know, So if you like that kind of thing, Glenn, you probably won't like the book. Oh, uh, look who she picked out. You could have said Helena. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, like, if the you shoe know, fits, I'd... buddy. 
Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'd, I'd soon give it to a 14-year-old as a 70-year-old. It's called The Littlest Racehorse by A. Allen Jewell, and we will post a link to that on our show notes page at stablescoop.com. Also put it on Facebook. And i got to ask you before we let you go, by the way, thank you for doing that. Our first auditor, yay! We appreciate <laughs> sure. it. Thank you for being an auditor, by the way, and thank you for doing that. Uh, and thank you for listening to the shows. We really appreciate that, too. But you, when your email came through, it was the Maryland School of Sailing where you work. Tell us about that. That's correct. It's a it's a family-run sailing school. So um, my father owns the school, and uh, I came on board. It's we've been around a long time, twenty four years now. Um, we are a we're a, a large boat sailing school, and by large boat, I mean cruising size boats. Right, What's so that thirty, mean, forty lines? foot. Oh, big ones. Okay. Yeah, so not not dinghy sailing. We're we're cruising sailors. Um, so we teach people who are geared towards wanting to sail a larger sailboat, and whether that's you know like on the Chesapeake Bay or in the Virgin Islands, or whether they want to cross oceans. That's so that's who we're geared towards. And um, we have a school on the eastern shore of the Chesapeake Bay as well as Virgin Islands. Do you get to go? And to right now we have a, a boat on the way back from Bermuda. So, ooh, I do you get to go yeah. down and check out the boats in the Virgin Islands and make sure the operation's going okay? A lot in the winter. <laughs> well, a couple of times, not too much. Mostly, <laughs> mostly, mostly in I'm January. living vicariously. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really cool. That's a unique occupation. It is. It's very enjoyable. Extremely enjoyable. Wow. Hey, Helena, we could go learn to sail a yacht. I don't want to sail a yacht. I want to sit on a yacht. (laughs) But sailing a yacht is a lot of responsibility. You know what? You pay Rita enough, she'll take you out on the boat, and you don't have to do a thing. That's That's right. (laughs) Come and bring a book and a... a, a, (laughs) Yeah, she has a book for you to read, too. (laughs) That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See? Oh, I like this. You're all set. Do you have more? What's your favorite drink right now, Lena? It's been changing every week. Oh, no, it's uh, still tequila. Oh, okay. So, oh, geez. Tequila on a sailboat reading a book? Oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. deadly. Well, I don't shoot it. You know, I'm not like a boozer <laughs> or anything like that. I just sip it lightly. I can't drink wine. Wine gets me all like crazy and drunk and stuff. I can't, I can't even drink wine I, or I get a headache and fall asleep. So you just sip tequila. And on a yacht, hey, I could do it. You could do it. <laughs> Rita, could Rita do are it. you sorry you called now? <laughs> No, not at all. (laughs) Thank you, Rita. We really appreciate it, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. I I really enjoyed the book, and I'll pass it on. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. If you've ever had a horse with diarrhea, you know what a frustrating problem it can be. Finding an ingredient that works to dry up the diarrhea becomes a high priority. It turns out that researchers have found one, a yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii. It has been proven to improve and halt episodes of diarrhea. It supplies specific nutrients to the lining of the small and large intestines, and these nutrients promote healing of irritated tissues. It also supports improved starch and sugar digestion in the small intestine, reducing the opportunity for imbalances to occur in the hindgut. 
Nalox Advanced, made by Kentucky Performance Products, contains Saccharomyces boulardii, along with a blend of fermentation solubles and stomach buffers. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of any age that are suffering from diarrhea. It also supports a healthy digestive tract in horses at risk for gastric or colonic ulcers, such as performance horses or any horse that is constantly on the go and exposed to stressful situations. For best results, Nalox Advanced should be fed on a daily basis. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Coming up next, we have Lauren Cepeda with us. She's out of uh, North Carolina or South Carolina, one of the two. She's out of the Carolinas, and she is a positive reinforcement trainer and has worked with horses for many years. She did a feature with Horse and Rider magazine and also was on the TV show called Horse Tales and is currently competing in the eight-month makeover competition by the United States Equine Rescue League. And we're going to hear about what that is and a little bit about her horse. And I also, also want to ask her some questions about tree training because uh, this will directly relate to my rescue pony scooter because I have questions. Well, hi, Lauren. Welcome to the Stable Scoop Show. Thank you for having me. It's so good to have you on. And first, I wanted to talk a little bit about a competition, a makeover competition that you're currently involved with that I don't think we had uh, talked about at all here on the show before. There's a lot of like Extreme Mustang Makeover and there's a lot of those out there, but this one's a little bit different. Tell us why and what it is. Yes, it's really different. Um, Mary Miller Jordan has joined with the United States Equine Rescue League, and they have developed this competition where they have selected 10 trainers, and they have chosen a rescue horse from for each trainer. And these horses come from a scenario, like tons of different scenarios, ranging from neglect to abuse. And we have eight months to transform these rescues into competitors. And they are learning to compete in obstacles and patterns and in liberty. And the goal is is to obviously prove how how adoptable and how capable they are of of learning and excelling in these different things. But it's also to make them um, to give them exposure to to possibly give them a better shot at getting new homes. And I think what makes this one a little bit different, Helena, is that it, there is such a wide variety. I mean, we've got little kids in here with miniature horses. We got a Mustang, a quarter horse, a Welsh pony. I mean, we just there's just a little bit of everything. Oh yes, there's, and what's really interesting too is we have a variety of training methods going along with the with the trainers, and then we have a variety of breeds. And like you said, we have everything from different ages. We have the miniature ponies. And we have the the Mustang, so there's so much variety going on, and there's so much, and that really gives everybody the opportunity to to really shine how they are, you know, as individuals too. And it's you know, the same with the horses. Now, did you did you pick your own, or were were these picked for mm-hmm. you? No, they're picked for us. Oh, well, they are picked for us. That's a little bit of a challenge too. It is. It is a little bit. It kind of. I was when I found out that I was chosen for this competition i was a little bit hesitant because you don't necessarily know what you're going to get and it's something this really has affected this has been a learning experience for me as well because i the horse i was selected um he was i think it's easy to say that he was amongst the most neglected out of the 10 and 
if I was on the horse market and I was shoot, wanted to choose a potential next horse, I probably would have really underestimated his abilities because I would say, oh, a horse that has a life that bad must have a lot of baggage. But he has been just amazing to the <laughs> point that I think I, I'm going to adopt my own horse. <laughs> but, yeah, that turned out really funny. So I'm actually going to adopt my own rescue that I was drawn. But I have really... It's been a huge learning experience for me as well. That's a very interesting um, perspective is that for someone who actually trains for a living to have underestimated the trainability and adoptability of, of a project. When was the first time in working with your horse? This is you no know, the one that you're working with is Ranger. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Ranger. So, Ranger's a quarter pony. At what point after you first met Ranger did you realize that um, there was a lot more than what you had assumed about him that's what within five hours i had the horse home and he was already he had already grasped the concept of clicker training he was already targeting with his nose he was targeting (laughs) with his feet meaning he could kick a ball and everything so i was just completely blown away and the second day he was already doing liberty circles around me and reversing out liberty he made very fast progress, not for a rescue, but as a horse in general. So I really, when I say I underestimated him, I just thought that I would be dealing with more baggage because he's only, they say he's around four or five years old, and he was neglected for a great portion of his life. He was being fostered for about a year. So I thought that I would have to be doing a lot of rework or just dealing with trust issues, and none of that was there. I think, if anything, him being neglected the way he was, maybe he appreciates life a little more, and he just seems so appreciative. He's so outgoing, so he's been a breeze to train. Now, I want to ask you, too, because I want to get into the clicker training a little bit, and we're going to get into Uh that a little bit later once we finish up the conversation here on on the competition, is Mm -hmm. I have a rescue pony, too, and was starved and almost dead when we got him and stuff, a little hackney. And we use him for driving now. But one of the things, he was obsessed with food, obviously, because he was starved. I mean, he didn't have any. Um, Mm -hmm. And we don't know how long he'd been starved. We think quite a while. So he still has that food obsession. So I have to be very careful. Like, when we first started training him, we were using treats and, uh, you know, treat training him. And that was a mistake because... Uh, he just was obsessed by it. So mm-hmm. now we don't use treats at all during the training process, and he only gets a treat when he's done, and I put him out in the field or in his stall, then I give him the treat. But mm-hmm. uh, we will not do it at all during the training process because of that. Is that something that you've seen with the rescues, the especially starved ones? Um, it varies from horse to horse. And Ranger, in particular, was starved, and he is very food-motivated. Um. Glenn, have you but, seen the picture of Ranger on her website? Yeah, I'm going there right now, actually. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> oh, okay. he, he was, it was very, very severe. It was very severe. Yeah. So and I he, can see how food is, would be an issue or could be an issue for a horse that was that severely neglected. Right. And but he is, so obviously, he is very food motivated. But he actually, the concept, the thing with mugging, now, quicker training is a tool. And I think that horses are individuals just like people, and it's just another tool that you can add to your toolbox of horsemanship, and you can pick and choose where, you know, whether or not it's going to work for you. Um, but mugging, 
or horses being aggressive or does it promote biting? That's, that's something that a lot of people worry about and they battle with. And I think that whenever you introduce clicker training to a horse at all, they're going to test their limits. And I think that also as people, we have to be really careful as to what behaviors that we reinforce, you know, if, do we let the horse lean into us when we give them the treat or whatnot. But with, with, whenever I started with Ranger, I actually started with a barrier in between us. So to kind of get him and condition him to have that distance between us. But um, like what you were saying with your pony, or your horse, I can't remember if you said it was a pony or a horse. Pony, yep. Uh, okay, I didn't want to offend you <laughs> with your pony. Um, you know, clickers, like I said, it's a tool. If, it, if you feel like that it's not the best fit for, for him, that, that's perfectly. I'm not saying that clicker training is the, that it's going to solve all your, some people would just rather not go that route. But for me, it has been just a blessing. It's been a, a great, a great thing to use. And Ranger is really excelling in it. But um, later on, I'll explain more about the mugging when we get into clicker training. I don't want to start going into a rant. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had Shauna Koresh on the phone or on the show uh, numerous times, and my wife uh, has always done clicker training, so I'm very familiar with it. Now I'm looking at his picture, and he looks like a larger version of my pony was, um, with all the ribs sticking out and the mm-hmm. you know, just no fat anywhere. It was uh, very, very severe. Yeah, boy, and you know it's tough when you get the when you get the rescues like that, like we had. You you have to be careful bringing them back too because it, it's it's a very slow process. You can't just feed right. them like you you would you want to throw food at them, but it's not something you can't just do that. Um, and it, it's just so many things to worry about. Wow, he's come a long way though. Well, I have to give all the credit to that to the um, United States Equine Rescue League and the and his fosters, all the horses. See, I got Ranger in April, and all the horses came to us in training condition. Okay. So there was there was a whole lot of volunteer work that went into that, and I don't I can't that that was like somebody did some miracle work on him. Um, I think they had I think his fosters had him. I don't want to be wrong, but I think it's been like eight months that they had him to get him to that point, and the transformation is just amazing. Yeah, I, I believe the eight months because we've had ours for almost a year now, and he's at the point where you could never tell, you know, that he's mm-hmm. right. he never had that he ever even had a problem. So besides um, his trainability, so you, you 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 so this horse has a history. Um, you 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 kind of have the sense that you're going to be more equine psychologist than trainer at this point. You like, <laughs> well, am I going to have to deal with his emotions or his intellect? So you find out that his intellect is beautiful. It's intact. It's ready to learn. And you start working with him. Um, what would you say, uh, aside from his trainability, makes Ranger unique? What what defines his individuality as a horse to you? I okay. I would say that, believe it or not, his past I think has had a huge impact in who he is. And I was talking a little bit about it earlier. That this horse is so outgoing. And he absolutely <laughs> loves the attention. He just throws himself into everything he does. And I believe that has, that, that's something that has developed because he was actually neglected at one mm-hmm. point. I think that he went without that. And I think he has an appreciation for it in a way that a horse that, that has always had that doesn't have. So okay. I, I think that, I think Ranger actually 
just has this appreciation for life and just this, this willingness about him that, you know, I don't see, I see it a lot, but I don't see it in as many horses or not the way I see it in Ranger. Now, what will happen next? So what, you have the horses for how long? We have them for eight months. So we'll have a final show in November. Now, see, we're actually, I have a show this weekend with Ranger, actually, but um, there are a series of dates. I believe there's four dates total, and we call it the Lope Shows, the, the Liberty Obstacle Pattern Events. And we're required to go to four of them, and then there's a final in November. And then they'll have a, a winner, and then after that point, the horses are available to adoption to the public. And what will you do in the show? Um, well, there is, we all show on a green level because the horses, you know, they're, they're green. There hasn't been that much training. Um, we will do an obstacle class, for, which is basically like trail obstacle. Yep. And we'll do a pattern class. And then we'll do a Liberty class, which is really unique. And I haven't seen many shows that are doing that. And it's whenever they, they let you go in an arena or a, like a round pin and you let the horse go and the horse has to follow, um, has to mirror the handler while the announcer gives you certain instructions. And it's really, really unique. And I really like it because I'm into that kind of stuff a lot. And, um, but the competition is separated in two divisions. There's an in-hand division and there's a riding division. So there's 10 trainers and five of us actually have in-hand horses and five of us have riding horses. The, the miniature ponies that everybody thinks is so cute, they're in the in-hand, so they're actually competing with me. <laughs> and then they have the, <laughs> yeah, you I didn't have a thing, top, right? <laughs> I have to compete against the cuteness. And then the, the, the bigger, the bigger horses or the riding horses, they're going to be in the riding division. Okay. So that is, that is a little bit different than, than the way some of the others do it. Yes. It's very unique. Well, I think this is a lot of fun. The, the website uh, for checking uh, out the competition is golope.com. Mm-hmm. That's where you can find all the details about the about that and all the different events that are coming up and everything. And, and Lope is, you know, uh, our uh, the Rescue League has done good work over the over the years, and I think it's a great. I think it's a lot of fun. I think the team idea uh, of having the different teams at different ages and and different kinds of horses is absolutely perfect. I think that adds a lot of variety instead of looking at uh, you know twenty Mustangs or twenty quarter mm-hmm. horses. I think that's great. Now, I want to talk to you before we run out of time a little bit. We Clicker training, I, I, you know, our audience uh, has clicker training because we've had Sean on before. But something's come up recently, and I wanted to bring it up with you and see what you thought. Okay. There are the, the national trainers, and we even have a show on, on the network here that, that, that they talk about this. Some of the, nat- natural tra- the ho- natural horsemanship trainers and top trainers in the world do not believe in giving treats at all. You'd never give your horse a treat unless it's in the bucket. So what what do you have to say to that, and, and you know, what are your comments on that? Um, I'm guessing that the reason that no one wants anybody feeding horses by hand is because um, maybe it's going to, to encourage the horse to mug or to invade space or to bite or something along those lines. Um, of all the amazing things I'm seeing being done with horses, there's not a doubt in my mind that horses can be taught and trained to take treats in a respectful manner. 
but I, I don't have anything against um, you can positively reinforce a horse too by giving them a treat in the bucket. But is there a, really an issue with feeding a horse by hand? I think you can train the horse to be respectful. Um, as now as positive reinforcement as a as a training method, um, of course you can. I don't think they're challenging that. Of course, I think you can you can get results from clicker training and positively reinforcing. But you're just asking if I find what's my response to just feeding the treat by hand or feeding or, the treats in or, general, or feeding treats in general and never doing it. You know, uh, and I know when I say never ever to Helena about anything, she has a cow. So, um, am I wrong there, Helena? Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> No, 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 no. I, I don't have a cow. <laughs> I just, I, I just, maybe a little goat or lamb or something, but not a cow. <laughs> no, um, it, it's because when anybody like doesn't remain flexible and open, like, um, you know, like Lauren was saying, clicker training is a tool. It's not the only tool and food can be a tool. It's not the only tool. You just kind of have to watch for the, each situation. And if food becomes a problem, then you switch to something else, you know? Right. Um, right. But to say never do this or always do that just makes me a little leery of whatever, who's ever hawking that particular method, you know? And, and I also think that as far as people saying that, oh, the horse, he mugged or he becomes aggressive. I think that we have to be completely aware of what behaviors exactly are we reinforcing. You know, something I see a lot is somebody will click and they'll have the treat in their right hand and they'll have the horse standing to their left and they allow that horse to almost hug them to give them that treat and the person doesn't acknowledge it at the time. But actually what they're reinforcing is that horse invading their space. And, and they and they think it's cute when when they want exactly, it right, well, exactly, exactly, and they're not even and we we do it not even being aware of what we're reinforcing, but then all of a sudden whenever we stand beside our horse and our horse is reaching over our bodies checking out our right hand, it's because we've actually been reinforcing that the whole time. You can train a horse to to station on a pedestal away from you or. Like I said, you can you can start a horse clicker training in a stall to go ahead and condition his mind that he that, that you know that isn't going to give him any profit by mugging you or anything else. But I think that whenever you introduce a new concept to a horse in general, he's going to test his limits. He's going to do anything he can to try to find the right answer. And this is just another obstacle that you're going to face when introducing clicker training. The same how when introducing a saddle, the horse may buck. There, anything you do, there's there's going to be some little bump of the road that you're going to have to that you're going to have to approach and handle it in some shape or form. But I don't. I believe that you know horses are very intelligent, and you can you can train a horse to be respectful with a treat. I've seen some amazing things done. But if treats is not the way that you want to go, and you do not feel comfortable, or you do not feel safe, and safety is always the number one priority with a horse sniffing you over or something like that, then just don't go that route and find, like I said, I, I don't, the last thing I want to do is make people feel like this is the only way to do it because there is a tons of different ways and different ways work with different horses. So maybe, you know, some horses get overly too food, you know, overly too food motivated. Some horses may even get frustrated because they, they're just so impatient. You know, for a horse like that, that might not be the best way to go about it. So there's just a variety of personalities and a variety of people, and this is just one option. 
That's and that's the reason we you know we we changed the way we were doing things with the ponies mm-hmm. because because of what you know he, he just was so obsessed and I'm sure that had a lot to do with being starved and you know eating right, bark off of trees right. for lunch you know so I'm sure that had a lot to do with we just had to change the way we were treating him you know we right. were, uh, now we have to be completely done and and we're you know he gets a treat because he's cute in the field and that's that's the reason. <laughs> You know, not not because he did good work uh, necessarily. Um, you know, he gets pats. He gets a lot of loving and pats for the good work now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's and that's and that's something I really like too about the shows that we're going to. The whole theme of it is the rewards in the relationship, and at these shows, they really encourage everyone to embrace their own relationship and you know what works for them. And they actually allow clicker trainers at these at these shows too. So that's really cool. So, um, yeah, that's why you see me a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> now, Helena, you, you, we've talked clicker training for years now. Have you? Do you do it with uh, Brody? Um, no, because I've never actually gone out and bought a clicker. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Before I had a clicker, I made something called a redneck clicker, okay? <laughs> and tell you me about it. A, okay, you go to Food Lion and you buy you a, a jar of spaghetti sauce of the prego little, little yep. prego jars okay yep. you know uh, okay you know that lid that i'm talking about i you do bend that bend that lid just a little bit and it will pop just like a clicker there you go okay. prego I'm spaghetti clickers i'm gonna get me a redneck clicker <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, well i've tried to um no it's on my bucket list it's on my bucket okay. list and I'm I'm hoping to start doing that a little bit when it's real hot here in the summer and um, do some ground training. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lauren, this has been fun. We're, we plain run out of time. Your website is clicksofconfidence.com, but we'll have you back and we'll follow your progress as you go along here. Uh, best of luck with, with the Ranger. We hope Thank that... Thank uh, we hope that things continue to progress, and boy, he just looks so much better than he did when, when he was all skin and bones. Yeah, we're having so. fun with him. Well, best of luck with him. Clicksofconfidence.com. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Coming up next is the Tack and Habit segment, and this particular segment is sponsored by Sparkle and Boom. You can find us online at sparkleandboom.com. New media marketing for small businesses of all kinds, but we do specialize in equestrian businesses. That's sparkleandboom.com. Today's Tack and Habit segment is a little bit different. It's not a horsey product, but it's something that my wife and I absolutely love. And we know that you all out there are podcast listeners. And, you know, actually in the morning show the other day, we read the uh, 15 signs that you're addicted to podcasts. And at the end of every one of them, Jennifer ended with, and there's nothing wrong with that. And we don't believe there's anything wrong to being addicted with podcasts, do we, Helena? We nope, think nothing. it's a wonderful thing. You, you could find anything better to do with your time than to listen to us and a different one. I'm going to recommend this podcast called the Daily Knowledge Podcast. I'm not even sure how I found it. I was just searching links one day and came across it, and I thought, ah, oh, this looks like fun. And they have a wonderful host on it by the name of Simon Whistler, who has a great English accent. He's out of England. 
And it, this is just a great podcast. It's part of the todayifoundout.com website. So do I need to introduce it anymore? Or you think we should just go to Simon? Let's just go to Simon. All right. You are listening to the Today I Found Out podcast, where each weekday we provide an interesting story that is going to feed your brain. You can read more great articles like this by going to todayifoundout.com. Howdy, Simon. Hi there. How are you doing? Good. Now, obviously, Simon is from uh, fr- from England, right? I am indeed, if you couldn't tell by the accent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Simon, I got to tell you, my wife and I absolutely love the Daily Knowledge Podcast. I think we're up to, are we up to 100 yet? I can't remember. But... Um, but we have we listen to every single one of them, even if we're not interested in the topics. <laughs> so, but that's what makes it so cool is it's so short that you don't really have to be totally interested in the topic to listen and then go to the next one. I think that's it. I mean, every day you get to learn something cool. And, you know, you might start thinking you're not interested in a topic, but we like to think by the time you're done with the episode, you might have a, a new uh, area of interest. <laughs> now, let's give and- people an idea. Oh, I'm sorry, Helena. No, no, no. I mean, that's kind of the point of the daily knowledge is if you listen to things that you are already interested in, the actual knowledge gained is kind of minimal. Right. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. if you go in, if something is well produced or in some cases well written, um, it's a real opportunity to learn something new, to find out something new. So um, for me as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, now I want to. I, I am stating the obvious, but <laughs> that's my uh, job. <laughs> I want to ask you about that, but before we do, let me give, you, give the listeners some ideas of what you might be talking about. I have some written down here. The Beatles, Sexy Sadie, and the Man Who Inspired It. These are just oh, some, yeah. some of the Daily Knowledge podcasts. Why Cutting Onions Makes You Cry. How People Named Richard Came to Be Called Dick. Why Dalmatians Are a Traditional Jog Choice of Fire Stations. And Cops and Donuts. So you can see it's all over the board. I mean, yeah. it, could be anything. So where do you where do you get the ideas from? Are you just on Wikipedia 95 hours a day? What 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 inspires this? A lot of time on Wikipedia, but <laughs> I I think it's you kind of go about your your daily lives and after a while you get used to thinking, "Huh, that would be interesting." Or you kind of read an existing article on a topic and come around to think, "Ah, but what about that?" And you write them down and go from there, really. <laughs> It's very well produced. Obviously, you write it out because it's very well done, and you're an excellent host. Were you in radio or something before? Uh, fantasies of radio, but uh, no such glory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he sounds like us, Selena. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, you make your own podcast. You radio, right? <laughs> That's right. So, how did you get connected with um, this organization? Now, I, I'm forgive me because I have not, I had not heard about. Uh, the Daily Knowledge podcast until Glenn introduced me to it. Um, but it's part of the Today I Found Out group or organization. What What is Today I Found Out? Today I Found Out, this is this is Davin's, Davin's site, his creation. But it's uh, a site that kind of has the same objective as the podcast to give you a piece of knowledge around a topic every day. On the website, it's obviously in text form as, as well as uh, a lot of images. And with the podcast, that's just kind of an outgrowth of that into online radio. <laughs> I love ha- some of the articles on there, too, Helena, like caffeine does not stunt your growth and uh, what causes aftertaste. Oh, Who ever thought about <laughs> that? I mean, I do. I think about that. <laughs> I think about stuff all, like I'll that. Do your, yeah, you stop picking up Here, on them. <laughs> I, I've got a topic for you. Here's one. Okay, I came up with this when I was like 14 and no one's ever been able to answer it. 
Here we go. You want to wiki something. This will take you like a month. Okay. If you have, okay, if, if, um, if all whole numbers can be divided infin- infinitely, right? You can, you can essentially, there's, there's an infinite amount of numbers. So if you can take um, on any number, let's say the number two, and divide it into you know, one plus one and then a half plus a half, you can do that infinitely. So if you take that concept and you apply it to time, so for example, one second, and you divide that into half a second and then a quarter of a second and so on infinitely, does time ever really pass? Does anything ever really happen? It's very philosophical. Yeah, boy, (laughs) that was deep for you, Alina. I'm like uh, shocked over here. But you know what? You're going to go away thinking about it. I bet you. I bet you. uh, I'm writing it down right now. It's, it's a good suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really do pick up on these things. So these, are, so these are the kinds of things, though, that, that you do. Um, there's so much in our world that can be explored to great depths, especially with the, the information revolution that we are currently embedded in. So how do you decide what you're going to focus on? What piques your interest? Wow. I mean, it totally varies. (laughs) One day you'll be walking down the street and see something and it'll be interesting. The other time it'll be, you know, you've followed 20 links on Wikipedia and are stuck on a page and thinking, oh, I should, I should do this. (laughs) It, it is totally varied. And really it's kind of what, what do you think the audience would like to hear really? And I I hope we're hitting it off with you guys. (laughs) (laughs) I think I, I, I love it. And I know you guys have done very well on, uh, on iTunes too, right? We we like to think so. We we uh, we're pretty surprised at how well we've we've kicked off so far. We're enjoying significant download numbers, which is fantastic. And I think that you had the help of obviously today. I found out dot com, which was pretty popular to begin with. Yeah, um, great and, to launch from. Yeah, and then you threw the podcast in there. Oh, you must have like us. You must have a, a job where you actually make money um, and, and make a living. So what what did you do before before becoming a pseudo radio announcer like us? In fact, it was totally related. I, I, by trade, I'm an audiobook narrator. So, uh, you know, books on tape and stuff, that's what oh, I do. Oh, cool. <laughs> it was actually how I got introduced to Davin in the first place. All right. I got to talk about that a little bit because Lena and I have had this discussion before. Is it boring or is it fun to do? What, you know, do you sit at a mic for 12 hours a day as an audiobook? How does that work? Well, it's like if you're reading a book that's boring, it's boring. If you're reading a book that's interesting, you have a good time. (laughs) However, you could have a really interesting book that is a a real struggle to read if it uses words that you don't know how to pronounce, which is a shockingly high number, I found out. (laughs) Um, And all sorts of stuff. Then it could be a great book, but a challenge to read. And that's when you're stuck at the microphone for for 12 hours. (laughs) Oh, and what do do you have? Like, do you get up and make yourself some tea? How do you keep your throat like lubed? Well, I, I like tea. Some people like uh, stronger stuff. <laughs> it depends how boring the book is. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. <laughs> some, this some is the tequila series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's generally a lot of good fun. <laughs> now, do you, or do you have a producer, or is it just you at a microphone? Uh, I got a chap who does my, my editing, but I kind of prefer to do the production myself. Getting, I, I do all the music mixing, do all the mastering of the tracks, um, just... Uh, I'm kind of attached to it. <laughs> now, do you do yeah. uh, voice different voices for the different characters and stuff? Like, I, I've been uh, nonfiction in the past, but I've recently moved into fiction. So I, I've just done a book with some German accents and American accents, uh, which was a, a new thing, a challenge for me. <laughs> yeah, that's. 
That's that is that's harder than it sounds. It is, especially when most people are American and they know that you're putting on the accent. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing worse than someone from California who's trying to pretend like they're from New York or Boston. Even worse, oh my god, <laughs> or from the South. Yeah, that's a, and that you have to deal with that too because every country has their own dialects and accents. Oh right, I mean, like you say, the difference in the accent between kind of New England and the South or California is uh, pretty marked. <laughs> I've never met anybody that did that for a living, Simon, so this is cool. I, I get that a lot, you know. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a common occupation. Yeah, yeah. It's not like they get out much, Glenn. <laughs> yeah. We, we, just, we just stay at home the whole day. We don't meet anybody. That's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Hence funny. the tequila or whatever it is you're drinking over there in the UK. <laughs> I'm a whiskey man. Okay, there, there you go. go. We'll send you a bottle of bourbon, okay? <laughs> Very um, uh, now, do you? Uh, w- c- where could we go to find the books you have done? Is is there any place we could go? Oh, absolutely. Audible.com is the big one, biggest uh, audiobook retailer yeah. in the world. All available digital download. iTunes, Amazon, the usual places. <laughs> and then, if I go to Audible, you can search by uh, narrator and just put in Simon Whistler, and you'll come up. Punch in my name, and I'll be there. Okay, cool. I got to go listen to one of your books now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go listen to the one you just did where you changed the accents. That's the yeah. one I want to listen to. That's Get in touch with me and I'll send you a review copy. Okay, cool. I'll do that. Yeah, I'll yeah, take a well. listen to that. I'll tell you how bad your American is. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> just what he needs, an audio I'm editor. Yeah. My offer. I'm rescinding my offer. <laughs> I'm not getting the book now. Dude, get out now while you can. Get out What now. have I done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simon Whistler, Daily Knowledge Podcast. You can find it at todayifoundout.com or go to iTunes and just search for Daily Knowledge Podcast. It pops right up. And you've had, what is it? Is it almost 100 episodes at this point? Wow, I think we've recorded up to 140 and... 120 might have aired. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I knew it was uh, I knew it was getting getting up there, but I uh, lose track. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a blast. Thank you so much. Thank Simon. you so much for having me. Thanks, Simon. Bye-bye. <laughs> Again, add this to your playlist. It'll take you literally 5 minutes a day. Uh, and Helena, you have to try this. You will love it. First thing Jennifer and I, after we got through about 20 of them, we said, Helena will love this podcast because you like the little, you're like us. You like history and you like the little information. You like to learn little things along the way, even if they're not important. You know, I do like to learn. Yeah. 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 You're going to love it because I know uh, Horse Tip Daily is one of your favorite podcasts that we do. So uh, you'll definitely like Daily Knowledge Podcast. Add it to your playlist. Well, that's it for this week, everybody. We have to get out of here. Speaking of playlists, you can find all of ours on our app, just uh, iOS or Android App Store. Search for Horse Radio Network. You'll find the Stable Scoop show on there as well as all the other shows. So hop on there, and you'll locate us there. It's simple, and it's easy, and it's a free way to listen. And also uh, be sure to log on uh, to StableScoop.com for all the links to our, all our guests. And everything we talk about, we pretty much put a link to on StableScoop.com. And Helena can be found at? You can find me online at sparklandboom.com or just go to Stable Scoop on Facebook. I'm always hanging out there. And you also do a different Facebook page. I do. Um, one of my labors of love, the labor of love, besides my child, is chasing a fox in a little black dress. Absolutely adore it. Go find it. We're on Facebook, chasing a fox in a little black dress. Very good. That's it for this week, Alina. There will be more next week. Until then, happy scooping.